This week, I'm talking about integrity. And this has been inspired by those phone calls where they ring you up and ask you if you've been in a car accident and can they get you compensation. Why their sales tactics suck and the lessons we can learn about integrity in business and marketing. Welcome to episode 211 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I'd just like to take a moment to thank you so much for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. This week, it's just me and the mic, and I want to talk to you about integrity. Integrity in business and integrity in marketing. Well, what's prompted this? Well, last week, I got one of those phone calls from one of those companies that are obviously fishing for business. They ring you up and they ask you if you've been in a car accident. Actually, it's more than that. They ring you up and say, we believe you've been in a car accident. Now, normally, if I get a phone call from a number I don't recognize, either on the landline or on my mobile, I'll just ignore it. I'll let it go to voicemail, or or actually more likely, when it gets to the end of its rings, they just disappear, especially if it's one of those ambulance-chasing companies. But the other day, for whatever reason, the number popped up on my mobile, and I thought, do you know what? That's probably one of those companies. They they tend to use the same area code, don't they? But they cycle through a different number of numbers, so you can't actually block them. So I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll answer it and see what happens. So lo and behold, I answered the phone and on comes this voice and said, we believe you've been in a car accident. Is that correct? Now, normally, normally I would just say no and hang up. But that day, for whatever reason, maybe I'd been having a bit of trouble with some writing or maybe I was getting a bit frustrated with another piece of work. I decided that I would string them along. So I said, oh, how did you know that? And the guy said, oh, well, we have data. And I thought, "Okay, so tell me what you know. And he says, well, I need to confirm a few details first. Like, can you tell me the date of the accident. Now, of course, I'm immediately on the defensive thinking, well, if you know that I've had an accident, then you should know what the date is. So, of course, these companies don't really know you've had an accident at all. They're just guessing. They're actually just probably phoning up loads and loads and loads and loads of people and asking that question or saying that statement, we believe you've been in an accident, and probably one in, I don't know, one in a thousand, one in 10,000 people like me on that particular day will say, yes, I did have an accident, but they don't know. They don't know. They're just fishing. So anyway, I was on the hook at this point. So he says, can you tell me the date? Well, I just made a date up. I think I said it was something like the 29th of February. And uh, I don't know whether he actually realized that there wasn't a 29th of February this year, but he typed it into his system. And he says, uh, and I need to check where the accident took place. And, And I told him that it was on the outskirts of Edinburgh, on the Edinburgh City Bypass. And at this moment in time, 
Another voice cut in, and it was obvious that this was the supervisor of the initial caller. And I think there must come a point within these calls where they realise that potentially they've got a hot lead and they hand it over perhaps to somebody who's a little bit more skilled in negotiation, a little bit more skilled in, in getting me to cough up the facts that they need to scam me. So this guy comes on and says, can I just check that date again? So I said 29th of February and again he didn't cotton on to the fact that it's not a leap year and therefore there wasn't a 29th of February. So that's the first example of me pulling a little bit of a fast one on him. Again, he wanted to verify the area of the accident, Edinburgh City Bypass. And then he told me, can you describe the other vehicle involved in the accident? And I said, well, it was really, really big. He asked me what colour it was. I said, well, it was grey, sort of gunmetal grey. And he says, do you know the, the make of the vehicle that was involved in the collision? And I said, yes, it was an Imperial Star Destroyer. Then there was a moment of silence, and he says, can you, can you just repeat that for me, sir? And I said, actually, he didn't say, sir. Can you just repeat that? And I said, it was an Imperial Star Destroyer. And of course, that was the moment when the penny dropped. The guy realised I was trolling him, and he hung up the phone. And when I put my mobile phone down, initially, I felt really good about winding this bloke up. I mean, after all, these firms are scams. As I've said before, they don't really know you've had an accident. They're just phoning up everybody they can find numbers for, and they ask that question or they make that statement, we believe you've been in an accident. And as I said, one in a hundred, one in a thousand, one in ten thousand, whatever it is, somebody will say yes, like I did, pretending, and that's when they leap upon you and try to take you through whatever scam it is they're perpetrating. Now, the reality is, if you were in a car accident, you probably have legitimate car insurance, and they should have sorted out the financial circumstances of the accident. Now, admittedly, if you were hurt in the, in the accident, you might be entitled to compensation, and a good lawyer, a good law firm, would be able to get you that compensation if you were entitled to it. But these firms, there's something icky, there's something unethical, there's so lacking in integrity of the, the sales methods that these companies use. So I didn't feel bad at all about winding this bloke up. But funnily enough, it started to prey upon my mind. Went downstairs, made myself a great big gigantic cup of black coffee, as I often do, and actually started thinking about this some more. And admittedly, a little bit of guilt started to set in. Because I was just thinking, this person was only doing their job, right? Are they personally responsible for their company's approach? Now, if the company chooses to lack integrity, if the company chooses to have no ethics, is it the employee's fault for following their sales scripts? Was I being unfair winding that individual up? I'm talking about Imperial Star Destroyers on the 29th of February. What I decided to do was to find out what other people thought. So I went and posted my experience on LinkedIn and on Facebook and basically asked people for their opinions. And really the two questions I was asking was, first of all, have you ever done what I did and played the Imperial Star Destroyer gag or something similar? And secondly, that sort of more guilty feeling as, should I have felt sorry for the employee? 
Now, it was really funny. This These threads created a lot of feedback, a lot of replies, and the vast majority of the people who replied to the thread on Facebook and on LinkedIn came back and said, oh yes, I always try to wind them up. Well, in fairness, a lot of people just said, nope, straight up, hang up the phone. End of conversation. As soon as I hear that question, we believe you've been in a car accident. That's when I hang up the phone. But a lot of people admitted to winding the caller up. So one person said, yeah, it was such a serious accident that I died. And that ended the conversation pretty quick. Another person said, it was such a severe accident that my head was severed. Fortunately, they managed to sew it back on again, hence why I'm being able to talk to you now. And of course, that ended the conversation. Another guy, who I quite like the answer, said, well, I already got £10 million from another compensation company. Do you think you could do better? And of course, there's a lot of people that will quote GDPR, the data protection laws. And actually, if you want to get rid of these people without winding them up, without talking about Imperial Star Destroyers, then to be perfectly honest, mentioning GDPR is a guaranteed way of getting them to hang up on you rather than you hanging up on them. Most of the people who answered my post said that the staff were equally as culpable as the company. They're saying that if the company chooses to have these unethical practices, effectively to scam people, then they knowingly work for a company with that poor attitude, and therefore, they're fair game for being wound up. However, one lady did say, well, maybe it isn't the staff's fault. You know, it might be a young person absolutely desperate for work, absolutely desperate to earn some money and they've taken the job. They might not like what they're doing, they might not agree with what they're doing, but they need the money. Now, personally, personally, I would never, ever work for a company with such unethical practices as this. I mean, it's bordering on criminal in my mind, but then I'm not desperate for money, I'm not desperate for cash. And I can understand that there are some people out there who would work for a company like this because they need the money. But hopefully, hopefully, most people have got the integrity and the wherewithal to realise the scam that's been perpetrated and actually say, do you know what? However desperate for money I am, I do not want to work for a company like this. So in the end, I didn't feel guilty anymore about winding this individual up. But what it did do is it made me think a lot more about integrity in business and marketing. So scurrying for the dictionary, my favourite definition of integrity is the following sentence. Doing the right thing even when no one else is looking. And I think that's a great definition. Integrity. Doing the right thing even when no one else is looking. And that covers it in my mind because who else might be looking? Well, a regulator might be looking or a law firm might be looking. And if you only do the right thing when you're under scrutiny, then that lacks integrity, doesn't it? It suggests that you only do the right thing when you know you can't get away with it. But when nobody else is looking, well, actually, do you know what? We might rip our customers off a bit. We might have some shady practices in place. Just as long as nobody else spots it, we'll be fine. So... Doing the right thing, even when no one else is looking, is a great definition of integrity. 
And as a marketer, and I've preached this on this podcast many, many, many times, you learn how to do the right things by developing a deep, almost obsessive understanding of the customer. And I keep coming back to the three questions that I would ask whilst putting together a marketing strategy. The first question is, who is your customer? Identify them, the actual target segment, who they are, where they live, how old they are, how much money they earn, what their likes and dislikes are. Understand your customers. And if you understand your customers, you'll be able to identify the problems that they face. And that's the second question you need to answer. What is their problem or what is their need? Once you've identified their problem, once you've identified their need, then comes the most important part. How do you solve their problem better and most importantly, different to everybody else? And this is the crucial question when putting together your offer. How do you solve their problem better and different for anybody else allows you to create a product or a service that stands out from the competition. And hopefully if you back that with great marketing communications and a decent pricing structure, then you will engage that customer and they'll want to get to know you, get to like you and get to trust you enough to do business with you. The third question that we ask is not, how do you prey upon their vulnerability because of that problem to just make bags and bags and bags of profit. Now, maybe I've embellished that a little bit, and I'm not saying in any way that making profit is bad. In fact, that's why most companies are in business. But you can make profit without scamming your customers. You can make profit without shady deals. You can make profit without ripping off the customer. If you've answered those three questions, you'll know your customer so well. You'll have that deep, almost obsessive understanding of the customer and you'll know where the boundaries are. You'll know that those customers don't want to be spammed by millions of intrusive emails. You'll know that that customer probably doesn't want to be interrupted time and time again when they're going about their daily business. And you'll know that that customer doesn't want massively complicated products and services and communications filled with jargon and gobbledygook. That deep, almost obsessive understanding of the customer allows you to build a product and service steeped in integrity. But some companies aren't doing this, are they? Some companies are at it. Some companies are trying to rip off their customers or at least pull the wool over their customers' eyes. Now, as you know, I've worked in and out of financial services for many, many years. And still to this day, one of the practices that annoys me more than anything is the way that insurance companies, especially car insurance companies and home contents and buildings insurance companies, come back at the renewal point each year and charge their existing customers a massive increase when in fact they're offering massive discounts to new customers. And when you phone them up and say, uh, by the way, I can get this as a new customer about 50% cheaper than you're quoting me on the renewal, they might say, well, we can offer you a bit of a discount. But if you want to have that massive discount, then you'll have to cancel your policy and go and reapply and take out a new one. Why not just offer that discount to the existing customer without the hassle of having to go and reapply? The reason is inertia. They think that a lot of people just won't have the time or the inclination to check. They'll simply click yes to the renewal. They'll end up paying that massive increase 
And, of course, that massive increase will line the pockets and boost the profits of that insurance company. Not everybody is going to take the time to go to a comparison site and check out the new premiums that are available to new customers. To me, that lacks integrity. Car hire firms are another example. You know, you arrive after a long flight, you get to your destination, you queue up for hours at the car hire hut at your destination, and they give you a mountain of paperwork to sign, and then they'll say, oh, and by the way, we only include basic insurance within this agreement. If you want to avoid massive amounts of money, if you have an accident, we want you to sign up for this collision damage waiver or whatever they call it. And of course, they've got you at that moment and it's an exorbitant extra amount that they want you to put onto your car insurance. Now, of course, you don't have to take it, but you're going to be stood there in that hot arrivals hall, just thinking, oh my goodness, what happens if I do have an accident? They're going to come after me for this total repair job on the car. So you're you're almost bullied into taking this collision damage waiver at that moment in time. Now, the reality is, if you'd have taken the time, you could have bought a separate collision damage waiver policy from a re- reputable insurance company, and it wouldn't have cost you a fraction of what the car hire firm wants to charge you on the day. But again, they're relying upon the fact that people haven't taken the time to do their research and therefore they get away with charging these rip-off amounts at the point of car collection. And of course, when you bring the car back at the end of the week or at the end of your holiday, there's that eager bloke looking for scratches on the car, looking for little dents on the metalwork just so that they can invoke a claim, and if you haven't got the collision damage waiver, you can guarantee that fixing a scratch or fixing a tiny dent on the car will cost you hundreds, maybe thousands of pounds. It's not ethical. It's not ethical. Now, don't get me wrong, pricing structures are fine as long as they're transparent. You know, personally, I don't particularly like the low-cost airline approach where they quote a base fare, which is basically just the seat that gets you from A to B. But if you want to add on to that whole baggage, it'll cost you an extra 25 quid. If you want to allocate a seat in advance, it'll cost you another 25 quid. If you want to book a meal in advance, it'll cost you another 25 quid. And all of these things add up. And by the time you've added all of these extras on, you're a million miles away from that really cheap base fare you started with. Now, I don't like those practices, but they don't hide them away. They don't prey upon people. You know what you're getting. You don't have to take them. And it's all up front. It's not hidden. They don't spring it upon you at the point of departure. And finally, again, another financial services example. Many, many years ago, the government had to bring in legislation to make the financial services industry treat customers fairly. (laughs) We even shortened it to a three-letter acronym, TCF. Yes, the government had to introduce legislation to force the industry to treat customers fairly. Now, surely any company in business with integrity, doing the right thing, even when no one else is looking, shouldn't need legislation to force them to treat customers fairly. Isn't it sad that we're in a situation where we have to be legislated to treat our customers fairly? 
Wow, that turned out to be a little bit of a rant, didn't it? And I, I think I'm still um, affected by that phone call with the ambulance chasing car accident compensation company. Now, the vast majority of businesses that I work with, the vast majority of businesses that you work with, definitely have that integrity. They do the right thing even when no one else is looking. But it's always worth checking your boundaries from time to time, going back through those three questions. Who's your customer? What's their problem? And how do we solve their problem better and different to anybody else? Just to make sure that we're still doing the right thing by our customers. When I get piles and piles of spam emails from some companies that I've subscribed to, I'll not like it. They'll annoy me. And I'll remember that I'm a marketer. And if I, as a marketer, don't like people doing it to me, why should I think that anybody would like me to do it to them? Always worth having the integrity sense check. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I hope that wasn't too much of a rant. I hope you enjoyed my little canter through integrity and my example of that ambulance chasing car accident telephone company. Next week, we'll be back to the usual interview format. So until then, have a great week and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.